0: Hello and welcome to Better Construction with Sean McStay, the podcast where we discuss design and construction techniques, products, and details that lead to a better built environment. All right, and welcome to this week's episode of Better Construction. This week I am happy to have with me Enrico Bonalari. Enrico is well known in the Passive House world as an architect and also as a teacher. So, Enrico, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, for people who maybe aren't familiar with you, uh, maybe give a quick intro.
1: So, I'm Italian born and raised and uh, architect architect, uh, still registered back home. Uh, And about 10 years ago, um, myself and my business partner, Mariana Pickering, we founded uh, Emu as originally as an architectural practice. Uh, And then we evolved into doing more and more consulting for manufacturers and spending more and more time on site teaching trades how to air seal, install insulation correctly, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so that at some point about four years ago, uh, we decided to move from Europe to the US and convert our company into a, a training company mostly. And so we, that is when we left the architectural practice. We don't practice architecture anymore. Uh, we mostly focus on builder training, uh, because we see that you can spend a lot of money specifying products, but you don't necessarily get the quality uh, of the results. results if you don't teach people on site what, what to install and how. Uh, and alongside planning, uh, we consult with manufacturers on how to in- improve window products and installation, things like that. And we still do a, a, a component of project-specific consulting alongside all of that.
0: Okay. So when you were uh, younger, was architecture always an interest for you or how did that kind of, how did you get into that?
1: Uh, That's a very good question. So uh, my grandfather used to be a carpenter and my dad, uh, he's now retired. He used to be a financial planning advisor. So breaks like Construction on one side and numbers on the other side. <laughs> and I guess I landed in the middle. Uh, architecture and construction was mostly my primary focus. dad is a much better designer than I've ever been. I've always been more interested in, in construction, how things uh, come together. But more from the architectural side, having the broader view of the architect, not, not of the engineer. Although a lot of what I do personally in the company is engineering.
0: Okay and so for you as an architect, uh, you know you obviously started to hear about passive house and that type of thing. Um, how, how did you kind of first hear about it and what made you want to focus so much on it?
1: So I've always been interested in sustainability in a broader sense than just construction. In fact, Madame and myself met. At the University of Sydney in Australia, in the Master Degree in Sustainable Design, and uh, d- once we moved back to Europe from Australia and started our own company, we always wanted to weave sustainable design into whatever we were doing. And because I was always more focused on construction and how to build better, uh, I very very quickly found Passivhaus as a series of best practices and a, a way to optimize the building envelope to whatever the climate. So a lot of what we do is climate specific implementation of, of passive hours, uh, beyond just single project. Uh, so I took my consultant training in 2011. So was, I've been doing this for, for a minute and I, um, we became a training provider for Passive House in 2016. So we've been teaching this for about
0: four years. Okay. And so for people who are listening or maybe are not familiar with it, um, what is Passive House?
1: Uh, Passive House is a uh, building standard uh, that allows to have very high thermal comfort and indoor quality uh, in construction, whether it is houses or non residential buildings, by means of having a very well-built building envelope. Building envelope is all the assemblies, your walls, your scenery, your windows, that separate the part of the building that you put effort towards conditioning, heating and cooling, uh, separate the that environment from the outside as well as from the unconditioned portion of the building. So you create a very well insulated jacket uh, around people and the thickness or the thermal protection that you get from the jacket is, it depends on the climate. So, um, something that we, some of the myths that we have to bust on a regular basis is, oh, well, you always need to have triple pane windows in passive house. That is actually not true. You know, looking at American climate zones, uh, climate zone three and lower, if you're looking at triple pane glass, you're probably over-killing it, uh, whereas a climate zone 5 and higher, you're probably looking at triple pain. But the purpose of that is really to provide thermal comfort. And that is the underlying difference between the passive house standard and other standards such as uh, net zero that only looks at energy, for example.
0: Okay. And so for someone living in a passive house, maybe what are some of the benefits there?
1: Um. The benefits include having uh, continuous filtered fresh air, uh, very even temperatures on the surfaces of your building, uh, meaning that even on your window, you still have very high temperatures. So assuming you have 70 degrees Fahrenheit or 21 degrees Celsius on the inside of your window, uh, if you take a code compliant window, you end up having about 53 degrees on the inside of the window when it is 15 degrees outside Uh, and that is just not acceptable for thermal comfort regardless of the energy savings that is just not comfortable Um, whereas if you have a passive house window those are designed uh, to have 64 degrees on on the internal surface um, on the internal surface of the window. so you have a much higher temperature uh, radiant temperature That allows you to be more comfortable. Uh, That also results in buildings being much more efficient. But the primary focus of the passive standard and how you choose components is to have thermal comfort, avoiding more condensation, and having high indoor quality. It's a very different focus uh, on why we're doing things.
0: Okay. So, I mean, I'm obviously familiar with Passive House. I think a lot of people who listen to this probably are as well, but I think it's always good to kind of cover it again for people who are listening. But also because a lot of the con- contractors who are listening to this, they have to be able to explain it to their customer. You know, why, why is this important? Why is this something that you should be doing? Um, I guess I'm always curious from someone like you who's, you know, pretty expert in this. What's... What's kind of next? Um, you know So Passifos is a very high performing home, um, but what are some of the other things that maybe Passifos doesn't cover that maybe you do try and address with your consulting in these uh, projects?
1: That's a great question. Uh, we definitely stick to passive when it comes to uh, energy modeling, uh, thermal bridge avoidance and things like that. We go well beyond passive when we look at moisture management inside assemblies and how to make buildings more durable and more resilient. Uh, and so we look at uh, other institutions, we, we uh, I personally study a lot of documentation from Europe, but at 13, I was lucky enough to choose as an elective in school to study German. And so I still, to this day, uh, get uh, research papers that are oftentimes only written in German, and I study those just to understand the best practices. So publications by the Fraunhofer Institute address moisture management uh, inside assemblies in, uh, in in very high detail, and that is the bleeding edge of moisture management inside the assembly. So we. Uh, go beyond passive in looking at moisture management, air sealing, and how to make assemblies more resilient without uh, like using very smart um, materials such as smart and air barriers so that you can rely on these buildings to be more durable without active maintenance.
0: Okay, that makes sense to me. Um, so at the beginning, you talked a little bit about EMU and uh, kind of your your goals for it. Um, maybe talk through a little bit more about what you do as a consultant on a project, um, and how do you kind of integrate with uh, the design team and the build team?
1: Um, so as I said, my background is in, in architecture. I used to do all the design. Uh, well, I was doing more the, the actual design, I was uh, doing do more the compliance, which was fine. Uh, but at the same time, I was trying to integrate uh, other pieces of the puzzle, like structural design, which I did part of, and mechanical design that uh, I could not find at the time, MEP engineers to actually calculate uh, uh, loads for such efficient buildings. So I dove into that for a minute. Um, that resulted in us spending a lot of time doing research. And when we work on project-specific consulting right now, I think we're able to see this, the one issue from, as seen from all different sides of the team. Uh, we've done the, the architectural design. We've done the permit. We've done the structure. We, we've done the uh, uh, site coordination. We've done the MEP. So I think I can explain the same issue in from the sub on-site to the building physicists in Germany. You know, it's, it's a very uh, intriguing field, it's just communication, pretty much. Uh, so depending on the kind of project, uh, if it is a manufacturer uh, looking at improving the window, we get the baseline, whatever they have, and try to set a goal. So do you want to certify, if so, for which climate zone? So you understand how how far you have to push it. If you're looking at a project, again identify a clear baseline, and then we try to set goals as far as uh, hey, you're looking at different R values, you're looking at different uh window packages, windows are very expensive in, in the possible world. Uh, so understanding what variables you may be playing with. And so we we combine those and model a great number of scenarios, typically about like for a single family house like. 30 to 50 scenarios uh, so that we we can find a sweet spot for that project. Um, However, um, one thing that we have developed as EMU is a pilot program for North America where uh, we try to bridge the gap between training and traditional consulting in that we uh, provide builders with pre-designed uh, construction systems so that we can waive a bunch of our fees and they get uh, fast-tracked on the, on the project and we can bring uh, manufacturers to the table to get discounts for the project. So we have this intermediate uh, way of consulting that is it's hybrid between training and consulting and that allows us uh, to get to passive hours without the fees or the time needed for for traditional consulting. I think that we're trying to provide more value with that.
0: Okay. And so when you're doing the consulting with people, say, on a single family home that are building a passive house for the first time, uh, what are some of the common pitfalls that you see them run into or or misunderstandings?
1: So I think the most most common uh, issue is overthinking it. And literally... There are so many options that at some point you just need to pick one and go, <laughs> uh, because uh, there are like there are many varied alternatives out there in the market today, and there's not one that is best for everyone. There's not best for every team, every time frame, every budget, or every climate zone. Um, so I see a lot of overthinking it. The joke that I make and we'll see if you need to cut it out or not at the end is that <laughs> passive house is simple. If a German engineer can do passive house, it must be simple enough. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when we cut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, really overthinking it is one of the, bi- the biggest issues. And with, with, the, with the training, we try to teach why, um, so that so that uh, you can start weaving off uh, whatever is not necessary mm. uh, for air sealing. That seemed to be one of the biggest issues, uh, not only in but in meeting code. Uh, we've seen a, a lot of teams working on primary air seal, secondary air seal, uh, and we try to simplify the conversation. Say, hey, you have one bucket to hold water you need one single bucket to hold water. Multiple cracked leaky buckets inside one another are not going to hold water. And so in that we try to provide clarity. And if you do have clarity, then all the rest falls into perspective.
0: I like that. The, the bucket analogy is fantastic. I'm definitely going to steal that.
1: Yeah, it's not mine. It's from PHI.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. It's a good one for sure. I don't know if I've yeah, heard yeah. it before. Yeah, I yeah. do get asked that a lot. They're like, oh, well, you know, if, if, should we have one air barrier? Should we make multiple la- layers airtight? And it's like, well, as long as one of them is airtight, that's, that's yeah. the important part.
1: Exactly. And everyone
0: agrees on which one that is.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is literally it's a, it's a pencil game. You take one pencil, you run through your floor plan section and construction details. And if you go all along your assemblies without lifting uh, your pencil and you connect all of the dots, then you do have one single air barrier. If you don't, then you're going to spend a lot of time and money on site trying.
0: Okay. I agree. So for EMU, what's, what's next? Uh, You guys have evolved a little bit as time went on, obviously, like you had mentioned, Uh, what are some, some of your goals for the future?
1: Uh, so we are growing our team uh, at the moment and we are growing our training capacity. Uh, so COVID uh, pushed us to take the training online. So uh, we teach the, what we call the core passive house training that is the builder and place person. But we actually have a lot of architects and engineers or homeowners even that are not necessarily interested in diving into softwares. And so they come to take our class just as a core very good, solid uh, package of information. Uh, so, you know, this year COVID hit, and so we had to scramble around May, uh, sorry, March of April, to you know take the training online. And as a consequence of that, right now at this point, we already have had four more times people taking the class this year than we had in the whole 2019. So that that is the next step and at the same time we have a hands-on workshop that we developed as the passive pod workshop where uh, we have different teams competing in putting together uh, micro uh, fully enclosed envelopes and so we uh, they work on what basically is a panelized uh, tiny not tiny house micro house made out of six sides of the box uh, and they install uh, insulation, air seal, like tapes. They install an actual window. And then we make them compete because that's that's how you get. Builders do their best when you make them compete. Uh, and so we pressurize those micro homes, the pods, and we do a smoke test. Uh, we warm, we heat them up and we do an infrared test. And uh, we leave them cool down overnight. And we do a resiliency test and whatever is, wo- the warmest wins. So we've been doing that for a couple of years here in Denver. We had a second set of pods that is being constructed right now and that will uh, reside on the east coast. So the next step for us is really growing our training capacity because we see that is the most impactful thing we can do right now. Just uh, training and really uh, the reason why we evolved from being an architectural practice Uh, in 2015 to becoming a a training provider right now is in 2015, we had been running the uh, architecture practice for about eight years. And we asked ourselves, do we feel like we're doing enough to make an impact on the market for the market to progress or not? But at the time, we were doing a couple of Passive House projects a year, you know, a small architecture firm. And the answer we gave ourselves was we were not doing a big enough impact, and so training was the answer. So for us, scaling the training uh, and having more people train is the next step.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I've seen on Instagram the uh, the posts with the different names of the teams, and uh, <laughs> it always seems to be uh, a lot of fun that they're having competing for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, yeah, we have we have Colorado teams. Uh, uh, team names um, so we have team moose team bobcat team blackbear my favorite is team chipmunk but no no builders seem to like that
0: <laughs> <laughs> the mighty chipmunk yeah yeah uh, that's
1: yeah. fantastic you're all
0: powerful <laughs> <laughs> well good well once uh, once we get towards the end of these I typically ask two questions and so I start off with uh, what can be a very fun question if you had a magic wand and could fix any one misconception about Passive House so you can remove a misconception about Passive House, which one would it be for you?
1: I think I would use the magic wand to change the conception of why we're doing buildings. And this is something I feel very strongly about. As construction professional, we have one job, and that is to provide shelter to people, to create some place that is uh, comfortable, healthy, durable, affordable. and to me, passive is just part of the picture, but really I would like to change and reset the, the conception we have as construction professional as to what our job is. Provide shelter, have healthy shelters for people. That, that would be my use for the magic wand.
0: That's awesome, I like that. Um, perfect, well moving on to the last question uh, is a personal interest question for me. I, I love and read a lot of books, collect and read a lot of books rather. Um, If you could recommend a book, personal and professional, which one would it be?
1: Um, So personal, it would be, um, and it's about psychology, it's uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Uh, Daniel Kahneman won the Nobel Prize, uh, I don't remember when, uh, for mapping the decision-making process of people. So that is an awesome book. It's really, I read it a couple of years ago. It's really awesome. It's very readable. Um, so, very smart guy. Very insightful in how people make decisions. Um, professionally, I would need to think about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like a good book. I'll we'll go with that one for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, for everyone listening and watching, I'm going to go ahead and put links down below to EMU and all of the different uh, training options that they offer, as well as their social media. So you can follow along and vote for Team Chipmunk. And uh, with that, Enrico, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show.
1: Thank you. And thank you for listening.